Mike check one two one two back again. Planet of the Apes podcast. My co-host Kevin. Hello, hello. How you doing? How you oh, feeling? I'm alive, man. I'm uh, I'm ready for this. You're ready, ready for this. We got a special guest. The specialist of guests. Definitely our most famous ever on this illustrious podcast. Least so demanding. Far. Least demanding. <laughs> least demanding by far as well. Uh, so we're joined today by Rob Payne from the Edmonton Eskimos. What's he's, up, guys? He's the uh, defensive quality control coach and assistant DB coach. Rob, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. I'm good. I'm excited for this podcast. This yeah. is, is going to be something interesting we haven't really dug into before uh, on the pro side of things. So, uh, so I'm excited for what we got here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for coming. <laughs> so I guess let's, let's jump right into it. Um, tell us, your, we have a mutual connection. You and Kevin played together at, uh, at Ottawa, but let's take it even further back than that. Tell us your story uh, through football. How, how did you find it and, then, and where it took you through your life? Uh, so a funny story, when I got into football, I actually uh, managed to collect over a month's of detention in high school by the gym teacher who was also the football coach. So um, his solution was come play football and then he won't have a month with detention. So, and I, I always played, yeah, I always played hockey growing up. So I had no, no interest in football whatsoever. So I ended up doing that and then I kind of liked it. So I played the year after and then the year after. Um, and then, so that was uh, in high school. And then a bunch of my buddies went to Vanier uh, college uh, in Montreal which was, you know, probably one or two of the, of the top schools to play football in Montreal. I didn't even know that at the time. I was like, hey, my buddies are going there. Yeah. I'm going to go. That's fun. And then first day of practice, I got a rude awakening when Corey Watson, who's former uh, Edmonton Eskimo, um, <laughs> lit me up a few times. And then I was like, man, this is real ball. Like, you know, either I got to make it or just don't play anymore because this is where you're at. And Coach Pete at the time, I owe him a lot in terms of, you know, work ethic. And he just said, you know, either you're going to make it or you're going to flip burgers. Yeah. And then if you quit now, you're gonna always going to be a quitter. Yeah. So that's something that, that stuck with me. I was like, well, well now I'm stuck in this mess. <laughs> I don't want to be a quitter the rest of my life. <laughs> right. So I, I, I took to the grindstone and I just became a gym rat. And I got bullied my first year and I just said, I'm never going to get bullied again. Yeah. And then so a bunch of my, my buddies, like Frank Bruno, he was a receiver. Um, he would have played pro, but he blew his knee out his last year, going just about going to the combine. He got invited to the combine, blew his knee out. Um, he would tell me the route, and I still couldn't cover it. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not. This is I, I, a freak out. Yeah, I just put a, a mark in my in my calendar. I said, this will never happen again. Yeah. So I just became a gym rat, and I said, every day I got to get bigger, stronger, faster. So I weigh myself every day, and then I just keep working on my 40, keep working on my agility. And then um, I played, so I played my three years at Vanier with the, uh, three championships, won two of them. Okay. And then I got recruited uh, across the country, and then I ended up going to the University of Ottawa, where I met Kevin. Um, so that's how I got into football, and that's how I got to the university level. Um, so, yeah. Sweet, sweet. And then so from Ottawa, you move on to becoming a uh, professional coach. So it's kind of take us through that journey. How does, how does that Because I think that's an important thing for, like, we have a lot of athletes listening now, young athletes that play football. And, I mean, you want to play football your whole life, but even if you are a Hall of Fame talent, it ends at some point, right? So that transition to coaching could be a natural thing for someone. So what's that journey like? What are some, some pitfalls you had or, or, or advice you'd have for someone looking to go down that path? Well, for me, I guess it's, it's accumulation of, what happened during my university career. Um, so I played at two different schools. I went to Ottawa in 08, 
And then um, the person who recruited me didn't end up being my coach. So then when I got there, I was like, who are you? (laughs) And so I wasn't really in his plans, which is fine. So I decided to move on. So I did a year, I did a year plus training camp for the next year. Um, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was in his plans and I didn't feel like we're seeing eye to eye. So I moved on and I went to Concordia where I'm from Montreal. So I went back home okay. I went to Concordia and my family business, like they wanted me to come back home and help out. So it kind of all just worked out. But then, um, I got a phone call from JPS Lane who became the head coach Yeah, and he was like, Hey, I heard you want to come back. I'm like, who the hell told you that? Like, <laughs> I'm not coming back. He's like, no, 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 like, you know, he was a receivers coach when I was, when I was there and then yeah. he became the head coach and he was like, no, like, you know, I really liked you. Like, I want you to come back. So I said, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I spent 20 bucks of gas, went to Ottawa, sat down, like, hey, this is why I left. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. And he just said, that's fine. I respect that. And he just said, if you come back, I guarantee you'll get a shot at starting. And I was like, all right, cool. That's all I need. So then I came back and then, um, the rest is history. I mean, I started and played my last two years there and had a good time and, where I met Kevin and and here we are but when I came when it came to an end because of all that turmoil I was like I'm not ready to leave the game like I you know I'm like I wasn't I didn't stop my own terms it was like yeah it was like you know all right you're out of eligibility yeah that's a that's a tough part I'm like what yeah like no and then they changed (laughs) the ages that year so I technically had another year it was weird like I feel like you're older than I am right yeah I was I graduated in 07. So, like, I guess it doesn't, it's a little different because Sejap is like high school plus yeah. there yeah. Uh, in, in the Quebec side of things. So, it's an extra two years. So, like, I graduated in 07, and then it was the rule changed while I was in high school, right before. And it was that you had five years no matter what. Yeah. And then you could do five years of junior. Yeah. So, number one, I went to junior right away because I was like, I'm not ready to play university ball I don't know about it I didn't really have the grades so I was like hey I'm gonna do this time here and whenever I'm ready I'll go so I ended up getting caught in a real weird situation which went over another episode where like coaches left great coach to terrible coach stayed for a year then I accidentally stayed for another year switched over to another team did two years there so I ended up staying all five years before I went to Ottawa where we ended up playing together so it's I I understand when it ends abruptly because when it was fun for me, it was like the first year and then it was turmoil for this year and then it was good for one year and then my last year with the Cats, it was like, it was a toss-up. Like, I did really well, but like, it was in like tumultuous kind of times for, for like the team and then I went to Ottawa where it was a tumultuous time when we had a coach who... Uh, was there and then gone mid-season and whatnot. And, like, I had a shot. I didn't have a shot. I was playing dip, nose tackle. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> definitely not a nose tackle. Like, I'm next to E.T. You were telling me I'm strong, a nose tackle. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, like uh, E.T. Was a, is a whole other human being. Like, he's in the show right now yeah. for a reason playing at Ottawa. But, like, um, and then all of a sudden I went and we had Murphy. And it was, like, amazing. And I only had one year of it. (laughs) Right? So I had the same thing. Like, I was just sitting there. I'm like, where did it all go? Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. It's just like taking the wind out of your sails. All of a sudden, you're just not allowed to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah, It's got to be a tough thing. I remember, like, when football ended for me, it was sort of, it was on my terms, I guess. I didn't have as much success, like, as I thought I was going to have. 
Um, but I, I chose to walk away. Whereas if you were someone with talent, which I never had, um, and it's just sort of like the world's like, yeah, you can't play anymore. Like either you're a pro or you're not. Like that's got to be a tough, you know, punch in the stomach to to essentially a kid. Like you're 20, 22, 23 when that happens, right? That's definitely as strength coaches, I think that's something we need to be more aware of. You know, the the what that could do, the impact that could have on on our athletes, and yeah. how we need to approach their training and make it our own to give them the best shot possible, right? Because you know, as a coach, I would I hate to see something end like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like we said, you were lucky enough to get into the into the coaching world. So kind of take us through that. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> you're talking about you know the psyche of being told you can't play, and then so I was I was living on daily avenue you know not the not the nicest part of the neighborhood no and, <laughs> not at all. you know i was i just you know going through the day day by day and you know i wasn't really in school and i didn't have a whole i had like six classes left to graduate yeah. um but i wasn't in school and i was waiting for the phone to ring and then you know my ex-girlfriend came in and i'm eating ice cream with cookies in it and she was like yo you're depressed <laughs> and, That's I'll, what that looks like. and i was like yeah I guess. So then, you know, I said, okay, you know, fuck this. I'm going to get a job. So I got a job. I was working in finance as a financial planner. And then my buddy called me. He was like, hey, we need someone to come spot the games and, you know, call us the coverages and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So, and that was in Montreal, but I was still living in Ottawa. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll come. So I drove down for the games, learned the game plan. I went to one practice a week and then learned the game plan. This is Seja football. Like, this is basically high school football yeah, or, yeah. or Juco. Or yeah, like. exactly. It's like high-end yeah. high school football. Like, so I just went there, and then I thought it was pretty fun. I'm like, yeah, hey, this is pretty cool, you know. And then um, he became the defensive coordinator at another Seja the year after. And he called me. And he's like, hey, I need a DB coach. Can you come in and, like, just help the guys out? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I drove down from Ottawa on a Saturday in uh, January, helped him out. And then he just said, yeah, like, the guys like you, like, do you want to be the DB coach? I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever helps you out, bud, you know. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> then, you know, you get to a game, and I'm like, yo, they're, they're running, they're running gopher, they're running goofy switch, they're running, I'm like, you got to <laughs> bring the half down, you know. So I, was got, I got really into it, and then um, the year, so I was, first year, I was a special teams coordinator and a DB coach, and then we led the league in picks, um, and basically I was just calling the coverage. And then a buddy became the head coach, um, and then one of our former coaches, he was a DC at Concordia, who coached Team Quebec one at every level you can possibly imagine, um, played for the Owls. Um, he he got released from Concordia as a DC, so they were like, well, hey, come be our DC. So then he came in, and then he was a box guy, so then the head coach said, okay, well, you can be the box guy, but then I want Rod to be the coverage guy. So then I just called all the coverages. I, I just basically he told me, I'm sending five. So then I tell him, okay, run this coverage, yeah. or I'm sending four, run this coverage. And I had him, I had my coverage sheet and my own little call sheet. <laughs> so I had a really good time with that. And then um, the year after, I became the DC, and then that's where I really lit shit up. And I said, all right, this is this is my time. So then, um, Coach McDermott, who was our defensive coordinator out in Ottawa, yeah. um, I always kind of kept in touch with him. And then I called him. And I was like, hey, I'm the DC. Like, so this is my playbook. This is what I want to run. Uh, it was mostly stuff that, that he taught us, and then I just kind of ran it by him. So this is what I'm thinking, this is what I remember, this is my questions, and he just, you know, walked me through it and refreshed my memory, and then, hey, here's, you know, a little starter kit, and let's cool. roll. Yeah. So as I got comfortable with that, I really started opening it up, and we went undefeated with the number one defense in the league, led the league in picks all three years I was there. Nice. And then um, by that point, 
you know, Sage Up is two or three years, so my guys were then were graduating and then they were getting recruited. So then coaches were saying, okay, well, you know, who are you? Like, you're yeah. a coach. Like, you led the league in picks all three years. He's a two-time league all-star, you know. like. So I started talking with some coaches, and then I got offered a position with St. Mary's as the DB coach. Yeah. Um, well, one of two DB coaches. So the head coach at St. Mary's is Coach Colsey, who coached at UBC. He played us at Florida State, won two national championships, and won um, – the Vanier at UBC as a DC. So um, he offered me one of the two DB jobs, and then I spoke to him probably uh, in a, a week later. And I was like, hey, uh, apparently the Evan and Eskimos are going to call me. So I didn't actively pursue this. Like, I'm not saying I accepted your position and then yeah. tried to get something better. I just just kind of happened and he just yeah. laughed and he said well if you get that job keep in touch buddy you might, <laughs> you might, you might be hiring me one day <laughs> so that was kind of how that happened now the reason why the Eskimos called me was again I kept in touch with coach McDermott so it's all about connections and networking and you know who knows who yeah and, especially in coaching yeah it's huge. so I just said I called him up and I was like hey man you know I accepted an offer to go to SM, um, St. Mary SMU and uh, to be one of the DB coaches, and he just said, "Why the hell do you want to go all the way out to Halifax? There's nothing out there." So then I just, I just, you know, I told him, I said, "I'm, you know, I, I had fun last year at the level I was at, but like it wasn't really challenging for me, and I wasn't really looking forward to going back. I wasn't like, hey, what's the new challenge? Like, you went undefeated, you went to the Bull Door, and I was like, I, nothing was really challenging me at that level. So I said, I want to move up. So I just realized, I said, you know, I realized looking at career paths that coaches take." Like, if you're not in, you're not getting in. Like, yes. no one's going to be like, oh, you were a great defensive coordinator in high school. You yeah. can now be a defensive coordinator in the CFL. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. So I said, I don't want to get stuck, you know, coaching 10 years in Seja to then be an assistant DB coach at a university. So I said, I'd rather go in now, you know, take the shot of not be the guy, not be the coordinator, yeah. pay my dues, okay, pay and then dues, yeah. become the coordinator and then get in the CFL. And he said, well... He told me, he says, I overheard the offensive guys saying that they need a quality control coach. I'm like, what the hell's a quality control coach? And he just said, well, you know, you're the guy that's going to, you know, do all the analysis, do all the um, game planning, like the numbers and the pictures and, you know, breaking down film and making sure that they have all the information they need to properly make their game plans and then all that kind of stuff. I said, okay. He said, okay, well, that's cool. So he said, well, he said, I don't know if they're going to call you or not, but he says, I'll put your name in the hat and yeah. I'll talk to Jason about it and see what happens. So then um, I don't know, a day later, McDermott called, texted me, he goes, call me. I call him. What's up, McD? He says, uh, you're going to get a call tomorrow. He says, okay, from who? From Jason Moss. I said, oh, okay. I said, how, do, how does this conversation go? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never had one like this. So good luck, buddy. <laughs> and he hung up. So I said, all right. And I was driving with my girlfriend, and I was like, you know, I don't know if he's going to call or not. Like, you know, next thing you know, it says, like, 905 Alberta. And yeah. I was like, pull the car over. Yeah. So, you know, I was sweating. It was January. I had a big jacket on. I took my jacket off. You know, I was, like, wiping my hands out. I was sweating. So I'm like, hello? And then he just goes, uh, Rob Payne. I'm like, yes. He goes, this is Jason Moss in the Empton Eskimos. I'm like, yeah, hey, all right. He goes, I'm good. You didn't talk a whole lot about X's and O's. He just said, listen. I need you here from, like, May to, like, the fucking Grey Cup. <laughs> He's like, can, can you do that? And I just said, yep. He goes, okay, can you be here Sunday? Yep, okay, bye. And that was it. So there you go. I got on a plane, flew out. Um, I flew out to uh, Edmonton on Sunday. 
Sunday night, and I got there Monday, and we and we and we worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was a five day interview, and it was it was basically sixteen hour days. It was just he wanted to see if I could roll. Yeah. So it was it was me, um, Carson, who's with the Philadelphia Eagles now as the uh, one of the receivers coach. He was our offensive coordinator. It was uh, Jason, and it was Jordan, the quarterback coach, yeah. and we just watched every type of offensive play you can imagine from draws to runs to power to screens to three-step quicks five steps seven step like everything you can imagine from cis to ncaa to cfl to nfl and it was just what can we gather what do we what's different what can we use and they just wanted to see if we can get along because that's basically all it is. Yeah. Can you get along with guys? You're trapped in a room with them for the next six months. <laughs> exactly. And then that's that's all he said. He goes, I want to know if I can work with you for five days. Because if I can't work with you for five days, I'm not fucking working with you for six months. Yeah. yeah. So I said, all right. So basically, I just sat there and shut my mouth for 16 hours a day. <laughs> and that's what I did. So at the end of the sixth day of the five days, Jason offered me the job. And I just said, I got to think about it. And he looked at me. He was like, what? Like, he wasn't expecting me to be like, yeah. Like you. And all I had to kind of come to terms with was the fact that I'm going to be sleeping on the floor for six months <laughs> and that's so I, I left I flew out and McDermott was in the car he looked at me he was like well you know what are the odds here you don't accept this job because I kind of put my neck out on the line for you yeah. and I was like McDee like 99% I'm going to accept it I just need to come to terms with the fact that I'm going to eat Cheetos and mac and cheese and sleep on the floor for six months so um, I got at the airport I overlaid in Calgary called Moss when I landed and I was like, all right, I'm in, and that was it. Yeah. So that's cool. So it's it, it sort of draws parallels to being a strength coach and the fact that I think like in terms of being successful in anything in life, I think it's your willingness to eat shit. You know what I mean? Like I always people ask me what it's like to be a gym owner, an entrepreneur in this industry, and I kind of say it's like eating a shit sandwich without the bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? In your early years, but that's that's the game you got to play. Like you talk about like your willingness to go to fucking Halifax, like. All due respect to Saint to the to the team, but who <laughs> wants to go to Halifax? <laughs> who the fuck is there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's cool. So it's it's about who you know, and it's about your willingness to to really get after it, and and like you said, sleep on the floor, and you know, put the time in as quality control uh, coach. So hopefully, you can work your way up the ranks someday, right? So, yeah, I mean, before I before I flew out, I mean, I googled quality control coach. Yeah. And then right. you know, I started reading names of guys who did it. They were talking about John Gruden. You're talking about um, Matt Patricia. You're talking about um, Bill Belichick. You know, so it's like so. I was sitting here. I'm like, well, who am I to say I don't want to be a QC? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean. So if that's and that's just the way you get in. Like that's how you you get your foot in the door. And then if you're good at it and you're really good at it, you may get an opportunity to be a position coach. If you're not good at it. Then that was your shot, and you missed it. Yeah. And, and that's it. So, could you imagine being quality control for a guy like Phil Belichick? Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> a different. Quality. That's a different kind of quality. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, the cool. I think that's really super cool. I mean, so you have like, you basically throwing into this situation, which is like kind of out of nowhere. You never expected it, but like, there's a whole bunch of work that come to this point. Like, it's not like you were, okay, here's a gift. You made, uh, you worked on it with a team and made them the best in the league for three years consistently. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Say Jeff or not. Yeah. Like, you, the amount of care and quality that goes into that, 
definitely makes you qualify for a quality control coach. From there, do you do that next step? So what was the next step? Like, what was the big change for you so, with quality control? So essentially what happens is, so the when I said that I shut my mouth and didn't say anything, that's what got me in the door. Yeah. What allows you to grow is when you do start saying things, but you got to you got to have something to say, yeah. and you got to be right when you say it. Yeah. So the funny again coincidence. I just feel like this is all a story of coincidence. But we were in Hamilton, and the story behind that was uh, we call the coverages out every play. Um, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that every play we call the coverages out. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm up in the booth, and I can hear them. It's like week three, or I think it was week four. And I can hear them going back and forth, you know, double cut, man, 12, 11. And then, you know, I'm a DB, so I'm a coverage guy. Yeah. And I'm sitting up there, and I forgot I had a mic two inches from my <laughs> mouth. And the offensive coordinator says, double cut. And I said, nah, it's two, man. And then he went, no, Rob, it's double cut. And then <laughs> Moss the said, Moss said, no, kid's right, it's two, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's that's where it, they kind of said, "All right, kid, let's see what you got." Yeah. So then I just started calling them out. I was like, "Double hold, hold cut, match, two man, rotation," and then they're like, "All right, okay." So then they started giving me little projects. Okay. Okay, break down these these route con- these um these coverages. Let me know what route concepts you think are going to beat them and why. Yeah. So then I'd be okay. Well, you know, I think this route concept would work. I think this route concept would work. I think we can pull the safety with this and get underneath it with this. And so then as you, they start trusting you, then they start giving you more and more responsibility. Um, but for me to be able to do that, I put the work in when I was in Seja. Yes. So that's kind of the, to relate to what you were saying. Like I didn't just show up and it was like, okay, I'm a blank slate. Let's yeah, go guys. Exactly. It was like, okay, I do know a lot, Yeah. but they don't want, they don't care yes. because they believe that you don't know anything. Exactly. And they believe that what you do think, you know, you're probably right. Yes. So I just took a back seat and I listened and I observed and I learned, but then <laughs> kind of put my foot in my mouth and then I happened to be right. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then they said, okay, well, let's see what you got. Now it's probably wrong a bunch of times too. Yes. But just that one time it happened to be right. And then that's what they let me kind of say, okay, you, that's a milestone. You got something right. You know, let's see how far you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but to do that, you got to put the time in to know, you know, like I watched yeah, hours of film, you know, I like, even when I was in Ottawa, yeah. I spent like hours in McDermott's office. I was still playing and I was like, Hey, why do you call this front? Why do you call this front? Why this coverage? Why this front over that front? Yeah. Why this stunt? Why did you even stunt this play? Yeah. At one point he was like, just get the fuck out of my office. Man. <laughs> like, you know, you know as much as I do. All right, Rob, just get the fuck out. You yeah. know? So I was like, okay, cool. Bye. See you tomorrow. You know? So, but that's like, you know, you can't just show up and, 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 you know, not do your dues before, because when your opportunity comes, if you don't have the answer, yeah. you know, like, you know, they may ask you a question in a meeting. Yeah. Rob, what do you see here? Uh, okay. never mind. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, you never know yeah, when your shot's going to gonna come to, to be able to say something yeah. or, to, or to contribute so when if you do you gotta be right and that's it reminded me of a funny story uh, I guess it would be the year uh, you moved on uh, I had the I had an opportunity um, uh, PY left yeah um, to um, went to Montreal yeah to Montreal yeah. The, and um, they he was doing a work study so I ended up getting the rest of his work study because I was like, I just walked in. I'm like, there's work studies? What are these? Yeah. I'm like, I need money. I'm dying. Feed me. And um, they're like, yeah, cool. Uh, PY is actually leaving. So do you want it? 
and we just happened to change coaches and Murphy was the guy and um, I was like hey yeah I'll definitely take it what do you want me to do and so I sit down with this guy I've never met in my life you know I, I literally my first you know, meeting him I was like I was like hey like are you coming in here and you're gonna start everybody who's named PY and go like is it just the dudes you know are the good or is there a real chance here like what do, like just give me something here and he, you know, he told me, he's like, you know, I, everyone has a chance. I'm like, I'm like, I just need to know because it was, it's been rocky for me yeah. from, you know, those last basically five years. So, uh, and then I was like, cool, I'll take it. And I was like, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to go through all the film and I want you to label it the way that I would label it. And I literally spent eight hour days, which isn't crazy, but literally no one else showed up for work, period. Yeah. for the work study they just got paid six grand for the summer and showed up to the one camp that we all had to be at yeah like so i was there every single day for eight hours while he was there and just broke down film and then he's like i have to go to a meeting and he leaves i'd be like okay so what's this why do you call this what's this what's that route so it's like i i started looking at like routes like you see them on paper so you're like well what's this route well it's just a seven it just looks weird so, like, I went from not knowing literally anything about football from, I, I have to ask you after this, what fives and in between. Fives and divides? Yeah. <laughs> I still have no idea. <laughs> like, I was like, I the whole defense. I'm like, I don't know what we're running still. <laughs> fives and divides. <laughs> I never used it. I never used it. I, it was, to me, I, it, it threw me off. So, like, that I like so I was like just trying Fives and divides, Johns and Joes. <laughs> Still like that's nothing. what it was. So I, I'm like so I was like trying to figure out what this is. Just keep loading, and I, I got my shot, which is this is a funny thing. And he goes, um, we have a situation where a receiver comes in and a running back goes out, and he goes, okay, Kevin, uh, like he goes, Kevin would know what this is, but everyone else wouldn't because he was there doing all this film. And I'm like, yeah, I know what this is. And he's like, everyone else, anyone know? No one puts their hand up. And he comes to me and he puts your hand up. And I'm like, I don't think I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like, because we went over a couple of different scenarios. So yeah. one of them is like, uh, it's it switched to solo and you have a hot receiver come in. So I was like, well, I'm like, it's a hot uh, this. And it's like, actually, it's this. So everyone laughs. And he's like, well, you're not wrong, but you're not right. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I am on the right track. Like, I'm getting this. Like, I... To me, that was a huge validation. So literally, Murphy is not the type of human being to give you a compliment. Yeah. I literally got a compliment after the year was done. And I was like, I, I did have another year by way of my birthday. Um, but I had a bulge disc in my neck. And it was like, there's no way I was playing. Yeah. And it ends up going to this situation where he's like, well, like, uh, like good job, man. You were the one guy who was in the right spot every time like you know I, like you can be better yeah. but you were in the right spot every time yeah. and literally one compliment um it was like through the world so I, I i i but that took so much work for one compliment never mind all the work you put in to end up being a quality control coach yeah. to end up getting like hey good job here's a project take those chances and go all out. They don't say, good job, here's a project. They say, here's a <laughs> good project. project. <laughs> like, that is yeah. good job in a well, way, right? You know, I was talking, I don't know who I was talking to, but um, I just said, 
you know, no one's fired me yet, so I guess I'm doing a good job. <laughs> right. you know, no one's yelled at me in a while, so I guess I'm doing a good job. And, that, and that's all you're going to get. Like, yeah. if, you know, they walk in, like, what's up, Rob? You know, everybody walks in. I'm at my desk working. Yeah. You know, it's 4.30. Jason's walking in. I've been working. Yeah. You know, it's 11 o'clock. Jason's leaving. I'm still working. You know, and then <laughs> this, he, is, this is real life, man. You're not going to get a pat on the back for doing your job. Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's the same thing exactly. in the gym. Like, you... You know, you might do a five-minute GPP exercise and bust your ass, and you know, I'll be like, "Okay, good effort, good effort." You want me to praise you? So, like, you did yeah. what you were supposed to do, motherfucker. You showed up and worked. Exactly. Like, your praise is when you get to sign the contract or when you get to go play for that school you want to play for, or whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's your payoff. Stop looking for fucking, someone to be you know, like. Someone's telling me I'm doing a good. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Do your job, like you, like you said, Robert. It's not yelling at you. You're not doing a bad job. <laughs> yeah, so keep going. It's, it's good. Know, like, right? You're doing fine. Yeah. You got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to let's let's pull this back a little bit uh, out of the coaching realm. Let's talk about you coming up through the ranks. You said you were a, a gym guy. You had to live there. You know, not not blessed with height. Um, so it was it was wasn't the, blessed with much. <laughs> it's the, it was the effort in the gym that counted. Um, and this is like for strength coaches coaches that listen to this podcast. I think as a strength coach, this is one of the most valuable things I can get is the opinion of training from someone who isn't overly mm. educated in the subject. Yeah. I mean, just an athlete who, like, like as an athlete, what worked best for you? I don't want to hear that you liked, you know, a small off squat routine because, da, 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 you know, I want to hear just the raw, I did this because it made me feel like I ran faster. Kind yeah. of. I think that's the most valuable information we can give to strength coaches. So I guess coming up through your ranks through high school, through through college or, or youth sport or whatever it's yeah, being called. Yeah, youth sport nowadays. now, the longer CIS. Never calling it youth <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, what what were you doing in the gym that you felt like you had a ton of success with? What were some things you did that maybe didn't work so well in terms of exercise or, or, or programming, if you want to get into that detail? Um, and, and, and just your overall experience in the gym. I mean, I, I always just did what I was told. And I think that means a lot because I never did, for the majority of my university career, even my SAGEP career, I didn't do the programs as teams gave me. Because I didn't feel that what they were, I didn't feel, I don't want to say I didn't feel confident, but the way it was delivered or the way that I felt they were tracking what we were doing, I didn't feel there was a whole lot of accountability or a whole lot of tracking. I didn't feel like there was a, yeah, like here's a piece of paper, talk to you in six weeks. Yes. And I was like, I may be, I may be wasting six weeks. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And like. You know, when I first started working out at Vanny, I wasn't a starter. I got bullied. Yeah. I was like, I, I made a mark on my calendar, and I said, I'm not getting bullied in, in 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't, do I want to wait six weeks and figure out if what I'm doing is right? I said, no, fuck that. Yeah. So, I kind of went out and found my own guy that I was like, hey, you know, you're going to talk to me three times a week. You're going to follow me and, 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 and change my program according to what you see or don't see versus... You know, here's the DV program. Yeah, you know, I agree like, with you 100%. Yeah, fuck off. Here's the, like, there is some difference from position to position. Obviously, an O-lineman would be strong in a DV. DV jump higher than a lineman. But, like, fuck, DVs don't need their own special, here, you're doing this instead of this because you play on a different spot on the field. you got to be an athlete. Yeah. What the fuck are you, you know? So that's where I didn't, you know, I kind of said, i got to take this into my own my own hands. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't believe that what... Not that I don't believe, but I didn't feel like I felt like I could do so. I could find something more. You wanted more, yeah. And I agree with you. I, I mean, I came from training with Brad, and Brad was there every single workout. Not only was he there, he was training with me. 
So like when he saw, when we do a bench and we would use that to indicate, you know, weaknesses, he'd be like, Hey, this, and our whole workout would change the, you know, at the end of that period. And we'd make sure that we did that work, that part of it. And at that point he may throw up at that type of like thing that he was doing back when, because what so he does, <laughs> compared to what we do now, it was so bad. <laughs> like I'm sure as a coach, you two, like you learn more and you're kind of, yeah. what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> exactly. Right. But like that was astronomically more than any other person did for me. Yeah. So like when I went to Ottawa, uh, I, I felt like it was just like, Oh, it, what's Brandon Glander's doing? What's ET doing? ET didn't even basically train there. Uh, what's, you know, Jackson started training there as a, he wasn't even, uh, in high, he was in high school still. Like, Oh, Ben and Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Ben and Jackson, right? Like those, uh, those guys were all like being focused on, well, I'm, we're, I'm over here thinking I'm either killing it or not killing it or just feel like lost in space. So finding someone makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Like who you, who you know cares. Yeah. And a, a, maybe a little bit more because, he doesn't have a million athletes to worry yeah. about. Yeah, so that's what that's what I found worked for me. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of all those technical terms you're using. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, hey, the guy said, grab the fucking bar and drop your ass. All right, cool, let's go, man. Like, how, many, how many of these am I doing? You know, so I, I just did I just did what I was told. But um, what that's, I, that's the dream for me as a coach, for the record. Like, if I can have a football player that's like, shut up and do it. Like, let's communicate. I'll justify everything we're doing. Yeah. But when you get that guy that's like, oh, I think this would work better, I'm like, oh. I read the fucking books. <laughs> like, I'll listen to you to an extent, but you got to trust me too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But yeah. So then when when Joey showed up at Ottawa, I just felt like well, I was also on the combine. Like I wasn't training with like. Yes. So yeah. he he had split it up because of uh, uh, what's the word to use? Periodization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had so. a different program, like yeah. a combine prep. Yeah, because we guys. had to peak for different times. Yeah, so yeah. the combine was in, I think, March, and then you guys had to peak for June. June so yeah. it was different. Um, so I was like, all right, well, you know, he trained, you know, Anthony Parker. For, he got drafted to the uh, Stan Peters. He played for the Dinos. He, um, Matt, oh, what's his name? He doesn't play anymore. But no, anyway, he, had, yeah. he had trained a bunch of guys that got drafted, and he was all, like, combine-specific stuff. So I was like yeah. – all right, I mean, I guess you know what you're talking about. And then he made, like, he says, okay, we're going to see each other every morning at 5 o'clock. And I was like, all right, at least, you know, I'm training with you every yeah. morning at 5 o'clock. And yeah. you've done this before. So, and we he had built in, like, um, you know, track sessions with our weight sessions with, and we were, like, everything was specifically for the combine. So we had all of our, um, everything was made for the bench so that we make sure that we bench the most on combine day. Yeah. So I was like, well, hey, if you can do that, no one else told me that before. You know, here was here's a six week program. Like, okay, now you're telling me that you're gonna make me peak on the day that I bench. Okay, now you got my interest. Yeah. So that's why I really enjoy working with Joey, and he's still there, um, and he's done a great job. And um, yeah, so then we did all of our track work for our forties. Like we filmed our forties. Yeah. We lasered every time we ran a forty. It was laser timed. Like I'm talking about practice. Like we'd run ten a day, yeah. and it was okay. You know. We'd film it, and then he sent. He would email me corrections like, "Hey, your arms aren't ninety ninety. Your foot's flaring out. You're not getting your foot over your knee on your first five drives." Like, yeah. you know, he's breaking it down for me. So I was like, "Why would I go anywhere else?" Like, yeah, I'm getting. I think what that's. I, need. I think that's super important as a coach too. I think like, the, working with Dex over the summer, he was amazed at like 
my mind never stops working. I'm always thinking about the gym. I'm always thinking about training, like the same way you do with football. Like that's my life, right? So I'll text. It'll be like 11:30 at night. I'm trying to fall asleep, but I got to text X and be like, "Hey, your chest was dropping when you're squatting. It's because of this. This is what we're gonna do tomorrow." And he'd be like, "Man, can you just leave me alone? <laughs> tell me tomorrow." And I'm like, "No, you gotta know right now because this is this, this, this is, is important. You gotta know right now." But like, there as an athlete, that's what you want out of your strength coach. Like, you want to be invested. And we talk about like, you know, getting a six week plan. I'll see you in six weeks, kind of thing. Like, I don't do online training outside. Like outside of football, there's this big rush of online training um, that that a lot of people ask for, and I don't offer it at all. I don't do distance training with players. You know, if I had, if I have a pro that gets signed and moves away and still wants to work with me in some capacity, I, we could make, we try to make that work. But like, I'm not taking on a high school kid in, in Quebec that I can't, if I can't be there with you and see every rep, then I'm not interested in doing it. Yep. You know what I mean? Because I think it, it, it's, it's a lot for any athlete to come to me and say, I have these goals, I have these dreams, I'm going to trust you to help me get there on the strength side of things. You know, I need to invest in that as much as they invested in me yeah. with that belief. You know, I think if you're just giving out a program, and here, I'll see you in six weeks, like, you're kind of shitting on this profession, you know what I mean? Like, you should be there for sessions, you should be there for reps, that's that's an important thing. I think that makes a difference with athletes, too, they notice that, you know, they, they pay attention to that shit, for sure. Yeah. So, again, not, uh, you're not super into the, the methodology and the theory of training, but what were you, in terms of exercises that would build your athleticism and make you feel like the best athlete possible, what was your go-to exercises did you enjoy squatting benching deadlifting were you more i mean i still I, guy? I, I still you... clean yeah i still clean okay i just i like the idea i'm just fucking throwing weight yeah that's that was you, you just know want to be powerful yeah i just love the idea of you know here's 225 i'm gonna fucking throw this bitch five times like i just i just think there's something about it yeah. um but no i mean I, I did what i was told man like you know i never shied away from from the squat rack i was always there um you know everything to do like obviously the bench is a big part because we, you, like that's an actual test the combine was, yeah. you know your 225 rep out so anytime it was bench day i was like okay hey, let's get after it you know mm -hmm. obviously i put emphasis on that and it's like a direct correlation with test day versus squats like Plus it's bench. gonna make me run faster you know <laughs> but for me it's like i'm not running right now so you know um bench is the fun one man yeah. <laughs> like, ladies ask you what you bench but like I did enjoy like in turn like when I was in Florida and I was training at AES I enjoyed um, all of our track stuff because like for me that's like this is why I'm running yeah. like you know so we filmed all of our 40s all of our uh, three cones all of our short shuttles we filmed all our one on ones mm -hmm. like we'd run one on ones out on the field at 5 a.m. and we filmed that it was we just run through corrections you know and that was so we trained twice a day we had like um, try and remember this now how it was I think it was. Yeah, we had track and then gym upper and then track and then gym lower okay. the next day. Yeah. And then we had off, which is where we corrected all the film. Okay. And then we had like track, upper, track, lower. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it was. And then we did that for two weeks and I did all combine prep. But like it was all combine specific. Yeah. Like, you know I don't know, I think I think the things I like the most is stuff that I felt related directly with my tests. Okay. Because it was all combine stuff, right? Yeah. So that's what I felt like, hey, I can see how this relates directly to me running faster. Mm -hmm. Or I can see how this relates directly to me benching more or jumping higher or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for instance, like, and I may be completely wrong on this, but, you know, when I was just squatting, I felt like that wasn't helping me as much as when I was like squatting, complex, jumping with dumbbells. I was like, this has yeah. definitely helped me. I may be 
completely wrong. I have <laughs> no idea. No, but, so what you're what you're talking about right now, here comes the fun part of the podcast. <laughs> you're really you're talking about dynamic correspondence, directed, maybe too specific, but more directed training. And, and sort of, I saw a presentation about it on the weekend too with uh, Chris Duffin talking about uh, force vectors and stuff and sort of the idea that, you know, that strength is... <laughs> oh, I, I went over my head. Strength is... is um, the development of your strength is dependent on the velocity, or not velocity, sorry, the, the vector that you apply to your body, right? It's all it's all connected. So, like, you talk about squats make you feel like you run faster. That's because they do. That's the dynamic correspondence of squats. So that's, I think, even without knowing that, you know that, and that's what separates the really good athletes or the high-end athletes from the guys that don't. If you, even without the knowledge, if you have that awareness of your body to make the connection that, like, hey, when I do this exercise, I feel my glutes and hamstrings fire the same way I do after, you know, a 40-yard dash or something. Yeah. You know, that's such an important skill to have as an athlete. And it makes my job as a coach so much easier because I don't need you to talk to me about dynamic correspondence. But if I say, what do you think of this squat variation? And you say, nah, this is, it's a lot of quads. It's not doing much for anything that I need. You know, we can work with that. So I think that's, that's yeah, you're, you're definitely on the right track. Whether you know it or not, you're, you're, you're saying real things. Hey, four times eight reps, and I did it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I did. That's all I did. So then, as a well, let's let's take it back to football for a second. As a DB coach, if you we talked about this before we started the podcast, and you're not responsible for bringing in talent to, to try out or anything, but if you have a DB coming in, as far as the strength and conditioning side of things, what what type of numbers are you looking for? What are you? What are some some do's and don'ts that strength coaches out there listening could sort of you know, avoid with their athletes or really push with their athletes from our side? Um, I mean, that's that's kind of a loaded question because as, you know, a position coach, you're talking about in the pros? Yeah, let's talk, we'll talk pros. Like, sure. in the oh, pros, yeah. we, we, have, we have no say on that. Yeah. It's all player personnel. Oh, I, I guess, so yeah. so the, the, the scouts, they determine what they feel um, is within their metrics, and then they bring those guys in. And then it's up to us to be like, hey, he can play or he can't. Yeah. Um, so in terms of numbers, I mean, all I can tell you is what I was told when I was coming out. Yeah. You know, and so when I was going with the combine, I was told ten's a win. So if you can bench over ten as a DB, that's a win. Yeah. I hit seventeen because I was like, I need more than a win. I'm five. Yes. Foot, I'm five foot nine. Yeah. <laughs> first round knock. <laughs> so I was like, I need more than a win. I'm five foot nine. So then, um, at the vert, I think it was over thirty, and I I, I think I did thirty eight. Is what I did. Um, so for me again, it had to be more than a win. Yeah. You know, everything for me had to be more than a win. I think under four zero. Uh, what was the short shuttle time? I don't know. I ran a four zero five. Under four two. Under yeah. four two was a win yeah. as a DB. I ran four zero five. So you know, again, I, I for me it was always I got to do more than just a win. Oh, 100%. If I was six foot one, I mean, hey, I'll be doing you know ten <laughs> to the bench, and I'll be doing you know four zero two, and uh, life is gravy. Right. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so that's that's you know under uh, under four seven was a win laser, um, and that's where I didn't hit. So okay. I, I tested multiple times with Joey under four seven, like four six fives, around four five laser, yeah. uh, four five hand, multiple four six lasers. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to the combine, I ran four seven one, and I <laughs> that like, was the only oh, one I didn't. Stuff, yeah. That's the only one I didn't hit. The pre-test number because we pre-tested yeah. probably like four days before or something like that, 
So we knew what we were going to hit when we went in. And it's like, hey, I feel comfortable. I feel confident. Like, and that was what I liked about Joey. It was like, you're going to know where you're going to do before you even get there. Yeah. Because you're going to pre-test. I don't know. Maybe it was a turf that was different. Who knows? Yeah. But. Plus travel too, right? Like, was where was the combat? It was in Toronto. It was in Toronto. So you travel a little bit to get there. Yeah. We, yeah. we all hopped on a train. We got there the night before. And, yeah. you know, did all of our stuff that we, like, we iced up. And then we did all of our uh, stretching. Like, I did, like, uh, I think it's called muscle flossing. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah so that's, those are words. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got. You got some words. In. Hey, it's been a while, man. It's been a while. So uh, yeah. So I did all of that, and then I, I. That's the only one I didn't hit. What I knew I was gonna hit. At. Yeah. And that was that's the big one. The forty is the big that's one. That's the one that's stuck in your fucking head right yeah. now. Four seven one. Bad taste in your mouth. Fucking know exactly what number it was. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, the bench I was happy with. I mean, that was always something that I took pride in. And I remember in Ottawa they were they were testing, and. Um, because I was in the combine group and I was never really in the gym at the same time as the other guys. Yeah. So, you know, I forget who it was because, oh, you know, I finished first at the bench and then as I walked in, someone was like, oh, Payne didn't bench yet. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, he had like 11. I was like, ding, 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 ding. No, 12, 13, 14, 15, and he walks away. Like, so do you, when you put up 17, do you know what your one rep max was? Um, so, uh, so I've never really been, I can, so I'm, I'm like more of like mind, like, my, I, I do shit. My body shouldn't fucking let me yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny. So, the most I've ever benched, um, I did it when I was in Florida, was three plates. Okay. So, 315. But, yeah. like, that was a complete dare. Like, they were jacking me up. Like, he was like, they're, like, so I, I was training with, like, a bunch of NFL guys, like, Verge Green, Luke Wilson, um, Jaleel Lede, Jordan Dangerfield. And these are all, like, big-time NFL guys right now. And yeah. they were, you know, they were all pushing three plates. Like, the DBs were, like, put, like some of them could, you know, like, one, two times. But, and then, you know, but I'm five foot nine, And then they're like, you know, you can't do it, Rob. And then Mike Goff, he's Canadian. He's the guy that owns the gym down yeah. there. And he was like, Rob, you can't do it. Don't waste my fucking time, you know. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you guys. Put the fucking weight on. <laughs> so then they're putting it on. And I was like, I don't, I've never done this before, you know. <laughs> So then, so, yeah, I was sweating. I was like, yeah, you're in it now, buddy. Like, you got to fucking get this bitch up. So then, you know, Mike was like, don't waste my fucking time. He goes, if you get this bar up, you know, I'll get you a fucking cookie. And I was like, I put it down. I was like, ah. Like, I felt like it took me like 30 minutes to get this bar up. Yeah. And they didn't touch it. Like, they said, we're not touching until you die. And I was like, you know millimeter at a time like millimeter at a time and then i got it up and when i hooked it i fucking ran around that gym and i was like get my fucking cookie motherfucker like i was fucking losing it and then but that's the only time i ever did it so when i put it up 17 times i don't know probably 285 295 is probably what i would probably hit um but yeah for me it's always been like you know a mind over matter thing yeah like block out the pain block out the pain and just fucking go like I, like I remember, like you know Dustin Wilson. Yes. So like he would spot me off, and I don't know we were always there at the same time. Then he'd be like, "I don't get you." I'm like, "What do you mean?" I'm like you die at four, but then you get the eight. Yeah. yeah. He's like, "I don't understand how you do that." I'm like, yeah. locked on my chest, like ah ah at four, and then five, six, seven, eight. Like I'm still banging him out. And he was like, "I don't understand how you do that." So first, I don't know. For me, I it's always been a kind of. If I was benching 225 70 times, I probably should bench more than 315 for one rep max, yeah. I'm assuming. The- theoretically, you'd be higher than that. Yeah. This is, that's the thing that's sort of, I don't have any science or data to back this up, but if, if I could ask my opinion on the 225 for reps test for football, 
I think it's fucking useless. I think I don't think benching is useless. I think it's a good test. But if I have football players, I want to know one rep maxes. I don't care how many times you can push 225. Yeah. And I was sort of stuck in that mindset for a long time, young earlier in my career. At this point, I think like I kind of I'm at a point where it's like you got to accept it. They're gonna test it, so accept it. So find a use for it. So I think what what I'm looking for in a 225 test and is uh, like your ability to suffer. Can you take that burning and just keep fucking pushing through it? Can you block that out? Because the thing about being a high-level athlete is that they're just, the, genetically, they're able to recruit more motor units just naturally. You know what I mean? They just have this better connection with their body and their mind, and they're willing and able to go to places that cause higher pain yeah. and have these higher pain thresholds. Um, and that, like that's really what sports are. Like You're going to run down on a kickoff, and no, people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. People don't do that, Rob. Sorry. Like, yeah. The majority of the population is not going to run head first in Armando Sewell. I mean, like, no one's trying to do that. So, you know, if you can, if you're telling me this kid's got a max 315 and puts up 225 17 times, here's a, this guy can fucking suffer. Yeah. This, is, this is a tough motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my best, when I was competitive power, like, my best, I think I did 34 reps at 225. But I remember getting to 20 and the burn was just fucking it. like, whew, it sucked. And I'm like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, why? I'm not a football player. Why? <laughs> like, but we were like, you talk about competing. Like, we were competing that day. We were just talking shit with my training partners. And, and we had to, you know, when, when the weight's on the bar and someone calls you out, you got to fucking go. Yeah. That's, that's no, for sure. And that's, and, that's, so. and that's the mentality that it was back then. It was just get it done. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great competitive environment. And, you know, guys get invested in it. And. It's just crazy how yeah. what you get, what you can do when you just refuse to lose. Like yeah, it's, absolutely, it's, it's just like that's how it was. Like you know, okay, I got to get two twenty five up. Like I'm not gonna let this bar beat me. Yeah, and that's all it was, and that was the mindset every time I got underneath the bar. Yeah, yeah. and then you know when I'm running my forty, it was the same thing. It was like I'm not letting you know, this clock beat me. Like I got to get faster than the clock. You know, yeah. and then obviously I sucked at that because I didn't get it. <laughs> but that's the. I mean, that was that was the mindset that. And then same thing at football when, you, when like, coaching. Like, I love sitting there watching film. It's, like, 3 o'clock in the morning in my mom's basement when I'm watching film. And I was, like, go to bed. And I'm, like, yeah. no, like, I'm not losing this game. Yeah. You know, so it's – and it was it was crazy. We were, at, we were at the championship, and it was, like, third and eight because you play four-down football in Quebec. Yeah. So it was third and eight, and then they moved the back from a gun strong to a gun weak. And I just started yelling, slant two weak, slant two weak, because they ran – that's what they and did. That's what they did. And then the old line coach just looked at me, and he was like, "Shut up, you know, like what do you, what do you, what do you?" They ran a slant two week, and we blew the kid out. He looked at me. He was like, "How did you know that?" And I was like, you know "I've watched watch? every game this team played yeah. all year. Like, I'm not losing this game." Yeah. So that was, you know, preparation is is key. Like, it's so much time. Like, people want like, and that's what kills me. Like, I look at some like some of my players that I coach in, in Sejap and stuff. And I look at them. I'm like. Do you watch film? Yes. What are you watching? I don't know. I'm watching film. Yeah. Well, football. I watch football. I mean, I mean, literally, that is exactly what I feel like a lot of coaches and players do right now. It's and it, it's tough because you don't know exactly what to look for. Like literally, I learned to watch film in one summer. I didn't know how to watch film prior to that. Mm. Like when I was in there with Murph, and he was like. That's this play. That's his play. Stop fucking asking me what these plays are. Like that was literally him being like, you know, like and I'm just like, what, like, what am I like? I see these, but this doesn't look like it's drawn on paper, like perfect yeah. right angle routes. You know, it's 45 degrees, 90 degrees. Like they're they all look different. 
when you're playing. Yeah. Right? So, so I mean, we're, like, you, you need to understand a coach's eye. And when you ask, like, if you're not asking questions about why or how or what you're doing, odds are you're probably not getting a lot out of film. But as coaches, you got to teach them how to watch film too. Like it's it's yeah. the same in the gym. Like I'll, I I think you need to film shit in the gym. Like you yeah. watch every play from practice, you film it. So why would we not do that in the gym? 100%. So I'll go up to an athlete and I'll be like, "Hey, watch this squat and see what happened." But like the first day kid has no fucking clue what he's watching. Like if I go to West or Texas, yeah. I'm like, "Watch, oh, I broke it the knee first. Yeah, so hips for you know what I mean. But yeah. I had to teach them to watch for that, and I think that's yeah. something I can't speak to the high levels, but like the high school levels I've been associated with, no one, no one's doing that. Yeah, you know they have this new program called Huddle that'll track how long you watch oh, a film, it's so but it's good. not gonna fucking no. You know, I remember when we played, there was no Huddle, there was barely any internet. No, you know, so it was like it was it wasn't how much did you, how much film did you watch? You'd come to practice and be like, hey, what is this? What happens in this situation? You know, and Garrett better know it. If you didn't watch your film, you wouldn't know. Yeah, you know, it, but it, now it, it's yeah. just sit back and watch your own highlights. And It'll count as time. You're going to yeah, watch well, a lot of film. The other thing you guys do is say, <laughs> put the film on and walk away. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, dude. I remember. Uh, I'm going to shout out Mark Antoine Lorraine. Yeah, that dude. Literally, we had like a. We were using. Uh, I'm trying to remember Galaxy. what. Galaxy. No, it was a different. We went to a different program. I had to use it. I can never remember what it's DB called. Sport. TV Sport. That's exactly what it's called. And literally, Mark Antoine Lorraine's was like. 48 hours and we're like <laughs> you you left it you fell asleep yeah. and you forgot it was even on you left the house yeah. you came back and you're like uh oh yeah, and then he's like I don't know what happened that's 48 hours he doesn't know what team he's playing <laughs> exactly. like, um, like I mean he did work there's no doubt about it but like he's like everyone was afraid of this number right and it's like when I like the the way I also learned how to break down film was in practice if you are going to be practicing against certain formations, put your team in, like, break down the film, figure out what they run, make your team play against that play, and make it literally the same every single time. They play, you do a scrimmage, it goes for these 10 plays, these 10 plays against these 10 formations, and let them go like, oh, I see what I'm looking at. Yeah, now I kind of know. Learning process. You can't expect a 15-year-old kid to watch film, but yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, go on the field. You have to be like, hey, you know kind of what play's coming up next. You see the little cues. Now that's a play, okay? I, I kind of remember how it went again from the practice before. And now you look at those cues in the game. You see those cues kind of happen. And then you're like, okay, there we go. Go. You know what I mean? Like, So uh, coaches kind of need to make that time in the in that and sit down and look at film. And don't think that film is bad for bums. That is literally everything in, in football. Like, you need to know exactly what happens when this receiver touches his knee. Like, there's every single time there's a receiver who played for uh, the Saskatchewan Hilltops, and he would rub his hands when he was going to get the ball. And he'd be rub, 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 and then, sure enough, he's getting the ball. He rub, boom, busts off his nine. He's an unbelievable athlete. Go up, catch a ball, touchdown. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's literally that little thing. If you watch film enough, you see little things like that. Like, look at where you're going to be playing and who you're going to be playing against. See the little cues from them. Also, look to see what they're doing in the large scale of what happens when they're running this front. Because they can't come into a game and run a completely different play. Yeah, for sure. 
that was this has been a long pod. We're at an hour almost. <laughs> shit. We should probably wrap this thing up now. Let Rob get home. Yeah, yeah I just got a text message. Baron wants some pizza. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So the way we uh, we finish our podcast here is we like we like to talk about hip hop because I don't know how to end it, and that was sort of just the first one we did. We did that. So, um, are you a hip hop guy? Do you do you like hip hop or? I'm all over the place. I mean, are you, what was your go to before a game? What would you list? Whether it's hip hop, oh or Rick, Ross. Rick Ross, Rick Ross, Rick Ross, yeah, Hard in the Pain. Thank you. Every time, Rick Ross. <laughs> well, it was Waka Flocka, Hard in the Pain, but then Rick Ross made a remix, and that's what I had every yeah, time. <laughs> every time it was, it was, it was. Every time we pulled up to the stadium, it was Rick Ross, hard, uh, the remix of "Hard in the Paint." Yeah, and it was, it was that was that, that was that was my shit. That was that was it. What are they bumping right now before an Eskimo game? What are the guys listening to to get hyped up? I don't really know. I mean, I got my. I, I guess you're probably pretty busy. At I that got time, my. Right? I got my beats on. I'm I'm yeah. clued out before a game, and um, I go. I mean, I'm I'm wide range. I mean, I when I was in high school and. and college i always i only listen to hip-hop yeah but then i kind of grew my horizons a little bit and went a little bit of metal a little bit of rock a little bit of this so i mean i just got a playlist and then whatever hits hits you know but that's that's yeah I mean, what gets you there gets you there yeah. now right yeah. yeah kevin anything um, what are you bumping right now me i haven't really had a lot i've been back to books again um uh if okay i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about a book again uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree uh, by, I believe it's Eric Barker, I believe his last name is. Um, and it's talking about uh, basically um, what we, what you think about success and what a lot of things that may seem wrong are actually uh, true. So like it's, uh, it's really cool. It's like kind of looking at the things that we, you don't really look at when it comes to success. Like there, there's a really cool part in the book where they're talking about pirates and how they had a better, uh, like, workplace relationship than, like, the Navy did. Yeah. Because, like, the Navy, like, they would they could take your score, like, and they would all go to this one person, and if he was terrible to you, it didn't matter because if they got back and you were crappy to him, then you could possibly be killed. But the pirates, they all have to have an equal share. You have to be a captain that gets along with everyone because otherwise, mutiny, you get thrown off and someone else is captain. Like, so it was actually, like, this really cool, unique look at sort of a different success way of and, success and leadership and all these things. So it's really cool. That's if you dope. get a chance, check it out. Yeah, check it out. That's dope. I've been listening to, uh, I went back and, I've been super bored with hip-hop, so I went back and listened to Illmatic, front to oh, back. Wow. I've never listened to it front to back. I've heard it all, but never in order. I get it. I get why it's, <laughs> I get why it's called the greatest of all time. I'm, I'm with it. Um... So yeah, I guess let's let's wrap this up. Rob, thanks for for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, definitely Anytime. our biggest guest of all time <laughs> you know, at this point. All of our thousands, millions, yeah. maybe is it millions yet? Millions, millions viewers, listeners will, will enjoy it. Kev, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, I love it as always. Everyone, so thanks for checking in. We'll catch you guys next time.